Welcome to the Final Girls podcast, where we like our crimes to be fictional only. I'm Anna Bogutska, co-founder of the Final Girls Collective and your podcast host. If you're new to the show, welcome to the tail end of our teen horror season. The fourth season of this podcast where we're exploring teen horror movies in depth, really stretching the definition of what makes a teen horror, and also talking about why teenagers, and especially teenage girls, make for some of the most compelling protagonists and villains of the genre. As per usual, I'm going to point you to our social media channels. You can follow us at the Final Ghost UK on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Final Girls, where we've just published a very long in-depth review of the new season of Stranger Things. You can also, and I very much appreciate this, leave us a little review over on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. I read all of them and I appreciate every single one of you who takes the time to leave a nice comment or just your thoughts on the show. Now in this episode, we're doing something really different. Usually we cover horror films, horror TV series occasionally, but I'm also a massive true crime fan. Which is a contradiction in terms, I'm not a fan of crimes, but the genre of stories that explore the history of criminals, but this genre of stories that explore the history and the details of notorious crimes has really exploded in the last couple of years through podcasts, through Netflix docuseries, through feature-length documentaries, through fictionalized limited series and films. We're seeing true crime everywhere. And there is one particular crime that I wanted to talk about as part of this series, and it's the Slenderman stabbings. A 2014 incident that was perpetrated by two preteen girls. Now, I'm obviously aware that the tone needs to shift for this episode because we are talking about real life events and we're talking about internet culture and we're talking about one horror film adaptation loosely, very loosely inspired by the real life case. We're also talking about a documentary behind the Slenderman, which tries to capture all the details of the case. So in this episode that you're about to listen to, where I'm joined by friend of the podcast and broadcaster, Louise Blaine, to talk about the Slender Man, we're going to be talking about all these things. We're going to be talking about the crime, about the figure of the Slender Man himself, and also about how both those things have been portrayed in film, in TV, in true crime culture, and how the teenage girl of it all is very much at the heart of it and at the heart of how it's been spoken about and how it remains in our popular consciousness. So instead of giving you a spoiler warning, I'm going to do a content warning. We will be discussing a real life crime. If that is not your bag, absolutely skip this episode. 
we try to approach it with as much nuance and as much empathy as possible. And I hope that comes across. I will be linking some readings that we mentioned throughout our discussion in the show notes. So I do encourage you, if you are interested and you do listen to this episode, to take a look at those. And with all that said, please enjoy our episode on The Slender Man. This feels weird. Mm-hmm. This feels so weird. It's very strange. It's very strange. I We haven't recorded in person. I haven't recorded in person in a long time. Outside of interviews, an actual podcast recording face-to-face. Anna, have we ever recorded in person? <gasps> we have not. This is our first time. Oh my God, it is our first time. In a baking hot London evening before we have dinner. Truly. I mean, it feels weird. We've mm. hung out in person before. Yes. Yes. Just not done this. I, fe- I feel strange. Yeah. There should be screens. There should be defense. There's nowhere to hide. Wait. What is this? We can touch. We can touch. Zap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's going to be a lot of this because it feels really weird yeah, to record in person, mm-hmm. especially with Louise Blaine. Hi, Anna. Hi, Louise Blaine. <laughs> Sitting on my sofa, looking cool as fuck. Yep. <laughs> I'm very pleased to be. I'm sorry, you're sitting on the floor. I feel terrible. I'm perched here, cross-legged, like some kind of imp sitting on your sofa. I'm into this. Okay. I'm into this. It works. Good. Um, so, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. It is a topic that I find particularly fascinating. I thought you might. And I've been wanting for a while to do something that kind of crosses over between horror pop culture and true crime culture yeah and this seemed like the perfect one to to do that with because very frankly and we might touch on this a little bit down the line the fictional adaptations of the slender man creepypasta the slender man meme and the slender man stabbings are very bad yes but the story itself is so fascinating absolutely and how it relates to horror to true crime to teen girls to mental illness and to a lot of other things in between that get really complicated so we're gonna get quite intense and graphic and gonna be talking about real life crimes and real life people as well as internet culture and horror films and i expect uh, a horror documentary as well yeah so would it be a good place to begin to just set the scene and talk about what or who the slender man is yes so if someone actually funnily enough i did this with a friend earlier when i said i was coming here tonight to talk about slender man and i mm-hmm. didn't know which to bring up first the crime or the meme you know so mm-hmm. i think if we do talk about what slender man is so slender man is effectively an internet campfire ghost story it's kind of the best way to describe it slender man came about when on the forums of something awful in 2009 which something awful was kind of like 4chan but you paid to get onto it and funnily enough something awful would spend a lot of time trolling other internet communities but on their own internet communities they were actually very well behaved because of this ten dollar fee And what on something awful, someone basically said, hey, I want your best, like, creepy photoshops. Give me your creepy photoshops. And lo and behold, uh, a creepy photoshop appeared of a black and white picture of children in a park. 
and everything looks very innocent. There's someone on a slide. It's all very fine. It's black and white. And then in the background, there is a figure. There is a tall, humanoid, slender, faceless figure in a black suit and what looks like tentacles. And the text underneath it says, this was taken on the day that 14 children went missing. And obviously that's the kind of thing that that's, it's pure catnip for lore fans who go, mm-hmm. want to know more. Who is this slender man? And this is responsible, the man responsible for this, uh, his name was Eric Knudsen, also known as Victor Surge, which is mm-hmm. what the, the name a lot of people then have attributed to slender man. So it was his figure and it was his meme. And there was another picture that, that he released as well. And then from there, all of the other creepy photoshops were completely ignored every focus was on Slenderman, but it didn't go stratospheric or viral as we would think about it. It stayed in those little circles and it kind of bled through these little circles by word of mouth and it bled through these little circles by word of mouth and people gradually came to this internet boogeyman. I think that's the and that's where it all spawns from and it's very strange to go back you know 13 years to Mm -hmm. just a picture on the internet but that's why this is particularly powerful because Slenderman wasn't just the facts that you read on the internet because those weren't real it was again those almost sort of Chinese whispers that idea of the story grows every time it's told and becomes its own monster so uh, you know you know Victor Serge might have created that picture of the Slenderman but after that he lost the control of what that monster became. And that's a long way of answering that question. No, that's a beautiful way of setting the scene and kind of giving the the backstory of how the Slender Man was born on the internet and from the internet. And you're very right. And I think one of the reasons why he's become such a memorable figure of internet creepypasta culture and digital culture in general is not just the virality of him um, or his style. It's because he was the first one. Yeah. He was the first boogeyman. Yeah. And I wonder what, why do you think he captured people's imaginations from that very first photoshopped image? I think when something is served so simply, you know, we, um, we look at the design of a lot of horror monsters now. And a lot of them are played by James Swanton, who is a very tall, thin man. <laughs> yeah, or by um, Javier Botet, who exactly. is a very, very tall, yeah, thin man. Very yeah. elongated, mm-hmm. long men. There's something... And, and, and it's because they live in that kind of uncanny valley of mm-hmm. a human shape, but strange. And especially with the Slender Man, who is almost, you know, that was then replicated almost by the gentleman in Buffy, this idea yes. of these... He, ha- he wears a suit. He's smart. You know, he looks pretty spiffy, does the Slender Man, but he doesn't have a face and he might have tentacles. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think there's a, it is a, tradi- a very traditional horror monster. And what then came after, you know, that initial post was lots of people then coming up with their own versions, almost like their own fan fiction versions of Slender Man. Mm-hmm. Because there was no concrete version, he could take on any form and he could then be linked to actual folklore monsters and say well he's a bit like this and you take a bit from that folklore so the internet built its own monster so the it, it's so appealing because it's a build your own you know you look at that and you you feel a certain way and you can imagine that you can imagine that day or and the idea that he preys on children it's like you, know, you and i have talked a lot about it mm-hmm. the idea of something preying on the innocent is immediately compelling well and it's the classic um, image as well of a man lurking in the shadows yes. looking at children yeah. which instantly conjures up i think 
uh, desire to protect them or almost a, an immediate and justifiable uh, rage or justification of violence as well. And we might talk, maybe this is, um, maybe it's worthwhile talking about it now, but do you think the Slender Man is in a way a digital manifestation of the stranger danger moral yes. panic? And, 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 a, and, a, and an incredible internet concentration of horror, mm-hmm. you know, and I think people then took it on in different ways. There was then web series, there was Marble Hornets, there was YouTube, there was video games. There's a very simple video game called Slenderman 8 Pages, which was made really cheaply and it's really ugly. It's also very, very scary because all you do is you wake up in a forest and in the forest you need to find, find these eight pages to put them together. But the Slenderman will find you and hunt you. And and it, then that created its own YouTube sort of energy because YouTube culture, Let's Play culture was becoming a big deal then. I mean, we wouldn't have YouTube as we know it now without gaming. So, so let's um let's set the scene a little bit into how Slenderman became the internet's first boogeyman. How did he go viral? You know, you've mentioned a little bit the YouTube culture that was uh, nascent at that time. Yeah. But can you expand a little bit on that? Like, what was the moment in which that facilitated Slenderman becoming Slenderman? Yeah. So when he came off... He came off something awful. I think that's it. It's that mm-hmm. it's that re- removal from where it, from whence it was born, and went into the wider consciousness. And that was again through forums, through internet boards. That was the yes, we were using social media for a lot longer, but not in the same way that we did over the last ten years. And again, books, spin-offs, people doing their own version that the idea there's multiple games now mm-hmm. and with every single person that sees it it then goes it then goes further it's not like a, a actually there's a really interesting book that i want to kind of refer to called folklore horror stories in the slender man and it's mm-hmm. by sheer chess and eric newsome and they make a very clear distinction between virality and what the slender man was and they say virality so we look at memes now and we look at tiktok now and Something like that chip shop that people went to that chip shop. I can't even remember the name of it. It had a theme song and everyone was going to that chip shop and it happened in a day. Mm-hmm. And they, they hired in more staff because their chip shop was becoming busy with TikTokers. And then two days later, you know, you're going to be quiet. That that has passed. That, vi- that, that virality is over. It's done. That wasn't the case with Slenderman. Slenderman took on other levels. So there, it was a different kind of virality in that sense of more like an infection more like a virus and it's something that actually the movie tries to take that theme Mm -hmm. on and really colossally destroys it but this idea of dissemination of an idea that is then damaging which again led to the moral panic for the thing that we're about to talk about which is just horrific the other thing that we the other thing that's interesting about slenderman i find is that the lack of backstory yeah which again leaves uh, the door completely open for a backstory to be created by fictional interpretations of it be a video games youtube series films books whatnot um could you talk a little bit could you talk a little bit about some of those ideas or some of those stories that were created for the slenderman to explain him away yeah so the different the different types of ideas that they had that he initially was obviously preying on children um, but the web series that came, it was actually teenage boys, young men mostly. Um, they kind of created, it was all very sort of web series, very found footagey. We saw a lot of that. that. That was the kind of style of it. So those kind of stories were then being told in a modern platform. But I think in terms of his 
backstory, everyone came with their own things. So some say he has tentacles. Mm -hmm. Some say he doesn't have tentacles. Some say that you can do something to become his proxy and to become one with him. Some say that he just wants to he his he, he just wants to take children. That's it. But like the Pied Piper of Hamlin type mm -hmm. thing with a slender man image. But so lots of people have taken it in different directions. But no one's no one's ever made him cuddly. You know, mm -hmm. he's always he's always been a horrific figure in 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 the forms that he has been taken to by various people's ideals of him. And no one's ever given him a human backstory. No, have they? No, he's never been a human. He's always been a creature, yeah. created out of nowhere. Yeah, almost. Uh, he he's been folklorized mm -hmm. with like fake backstories from the 17th century, etc. You know, and that's what creepy pasta is made for. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what, um, you know, why have I never sleep again? What is it? No yes. sleep. No sleep. That's no why sleep. no sleep exists. Basically, mm -hmm. he is, a, and there's so many even versions of uh, the Slender Man within that. That again. Oh, this is the true version. This is the real version. Mm -hmm. And in so many cases, it's even those stories are someone saying, "Oh, I've heard of the Slender Man. It's a myth." And then all of a sudden, it comes to get you because you don't understand its power. So let's talk about how Slender Man, uh, fascinating as he is in kind of the history of internet culture and and digital memes, how did he infect the real world? Why are we talking about the Slender Man now? Oh, so this this is the hard bit. So this is the hard bit. So we're here because in 2014, two 12 year old girls, Morgan Geezer and Anissa Wire, were having a slumber party with one of their best friends, who was Bella Lutner. Who her real name is Peyton Lutner, but they called her Bella because there was another Bella in their class. And at this, they had this slumber party, and the day after the slumber party, it turns out that they had planned. To, they had premeditated her murder. And this was because through creepypastas and through a burgeoning, very intense relationship that they had, a, a close friendship they had, they had realized and uncovered that the Slender Man lived 300 miles away from them in the Wisconsin forest. And if they did not kill someone, then the Slender Man would come and kill them and their families. And they decided that the person they had to kill was someone that Morgan loved. So they decided that they would that they would kill Bella. And on the night of the slumber party, these two 12-year-old girls thought that maybe they could kill Bella when she was asleep, because that would be easier. Um, but they did not. They decided, and I think this was quoted in court, they said that they wanted to give her one more night. Next day, they went into the woods. They had packed a five-centimeter blade and... Morgan, at the encouragement of Anissa, stabbed Bella 19 times. She, I'm getting most of my details from this actually from an incredible piece uh, on Hazlitt by Kathleen Hale, which is called Living with the Slender Man. She's done the most incredible long read. You absolutely have to read it because there's details in that that we can't get into today. Um, but she miraculously, they did not hit one particular artery by a millimeter and she survived the attack. So they left her to die, basically, and then they decided to walk to the Slender Man's house. She managed to crawl to a road where she was found by a cyclist who rang 911, and the police then found the two girls walking along the road, still with the murder weapon, en route to see the Slender Man. And that case absolutely 
exploded in a sense of mass media paranoia about the internet instead of the fact that uh, Morgan Geyser had early onset schizophrenia, which is exceptionally rare, mm-hmm. and Anissa Weyer, um was not confirmed to be officially a psychopath, but she was certainly eliciting psychopathic tendencies, and especially with uh, multiple psychologists at the court case, uh, basically attested to the fact that they had created what's often called folia due, which is the madness of two. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen it in previous cases, Columbine, etc., yeah. um, Red and Rose West, even mm-hmm. two people come together um, and decide that something horrific is something sane that they should be doing. Um, and so, and, and this is, I mean, this is why we're here, because the internet decided Slenderman's coming into your homes to do these things, and suddenly the mental health of two young women, 12 year children, children who were tried as adults mm-hmm. in the state of Wisconsin, um, and there was no there was no discussion of mental health whatsoever. It suddenly became this this suited figure is getting into your into your homes and infecting your children, and there was just there was not the discussion that there should have been. So let's let's think back about how this became such a widely commented upon, but not necessarily very empathetically discussed case at the time. It's certainly, I think, been given a lot more breathing room and certainly from a mental health perspective no, even the although you haven't described it in su- it's such a way it is such an easy label yeah. and very a very confusing label to call someone a psychopath yes we don't really fully certainly i don't i'm not qualified no, to understand not at all what psycho what makes up psychopathic tendencies yep we do use this word quite often i think mm, a lot in part inspired by or influenced by how often it's used in horror culture and pop culture it's very easy to call someone a psychopath call them a sociopath even when we don't actually fully know how that manifests it becomes a completely different conversation when a young girl is diagnosed as having um early onset schizophrenia yep and what that might have uh, how that might have impacted her her entire life without that ever being treated or fully diagnosed until something like this happens so that's a roundabout way to to ask you how do you think the media latched onto this at the time and i think especially because it is a very perfectly media friendly in the most toxic way combination of young teenage girls who are very close friends that then are quote unquote influenced by an infectious creature that's of it. the internet. That's it. That that became the headlines. The headlines were the slender man made me do it, made mm-hmm. us do it, which is a headline, but does obviously not take into account the fact that Morgan was not just seeing Slender Man. She was also apparently, according to court records, talking about Lord Voldemort and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and every other voice that she'd been hearing in her head for a long time as she'd been watching people's faces melt in front of her and not knowing that that was her mental health degrading. You know, that's this situation. It would be very difficult in that way. And and I think I think zoomed out what people like, like, I'm making rabbit ears here for true crime, as they saw the horrific treatment of a young woman, of a 12-year-old, of a child, the stabbing of a child after a, a sleepover. It's a worse nightmare. It's horror movie stuff. And people would then like to say, 
these young, innocent women, young, innocent girls who have been taken in by the power of the internet mm-hmm. and they have been perverted by this online monster to do this. And that's because it's simple to say that. Even though it makes little to no sense, it's simple for them to say it. And that was what they did. The, the, you know, all of these, the things that we shouldn't be doing and the things that young girls shouldn't be doing. They shouldn't, you know, it's that almost that craft like the, the close bonds and the close misunderstood bonds of young women, which are very passionate. And those become a sort of perfect storm of, well, obviously they planned this because they're terrible and they should be found guilty and they should be sentenced forever in an adult prison. Um, and that should that should be that. Well, we've labelled who's good and who's bad. The internet's definitely bad. The internet's full of monsters. This poor victim, horrific. That, that is the one truth in this. That is horrific. But the rest of it was, it's too nuanced for a red top tabloid splash no it's too it's too complicated to think about in a case like this where responsibility lies because it doesn't lie with anyone in particular it lies with not just the girls who actually did the stabbings but also with their parents with their community with people who would not notice or not pay attention to the things that were happening to them uh, for a very long time you know the not that you said it jokingly but it's easier to just latch onto the Slender Man because yeah. it's a new boogeyman. It's not IP infringement. You wouldn't say Voldemort made me do it because then you're going to have Warner Brothers breathing down your neck. And confusing all of those and giving nuance and backstory to what Morgan was going through is too much text. Yeah, It's just much easier to find and define a new person who would force the girls to do something like yeah. this, as opposed to just acknowledge that maybe there is something else going on that is much more complicated yeah. and long term to deal with. That is not just the internet; it's bad. Yeah, and especially given the fact that Morgan's father, mm-hmm. they knew he was schizophrenic and was medicated for it, but the the idea that the that Morgan was going through the same thing and they hadn't identified it. You know, the no. the, um, the the Kathleen Hale piece talks about the fact that she would wear lots of clothes when she was going out. Like mm-hmm. la- properly layer up, and that's something that that's something that can be a trait of schizophrenia of mm-hmm. of covering your body with multiple layers of clothing. But they just thought that she was a teen girl and not comfortable with her body. Mm-hmm. You know, they they saw lots of these they saw small things, but they just thought they were normal teen things. And I think it's that case of moving into the you know if we have a lot of um discussion about the parents of school shooters for instance mm-hmm. and there's been a lot of discussions in media and um, Dylan Klebold's mother has written an astonishing book and it is again that's complex again people think oh the parents must have known and no oh, that's not simple either you know and that's not <laughs> this is not clear cut this is a this is a moral nightmare and it's so much easier to plaster it with a horror monster and I wanted to pick on something that you you kind of mentioned before that's really interesting to me in general. How do you think people latched onto or interpreted the the teen girl friendship aspect of it? Because it is something that we've seen before and that has been both in true crime and in pop culture. And I'm thinking especially of, Hem- of Heavenly Creatures mm-hmm. and the true crime case that inspired that of this almost obsessive, self-contained world that teen girls can build within their friendship. How do you think that was 
perceived um, when the conversation around the Sandman stabbings was going on? I think it is exactly, it's, it's, the, it's unknown, isn't it? It's unknown, it's unknowable unless you are in it. We all, I remember the type of relationships that I had when I was in my teenage years and they were basically like passionate love affairs but with my friends mm -hmm. um which has nothing to do with my sexuality because everyone felt it constantly had to call you constantly had to be on the phone they weren't talking there wasn't a word doing? for it no you know, i have friendships like that now as Me an too. adult and they're platonic friendships but they're much more intense than you know your regular acquaintances so people yeah. go to the pub with yeah and there was no name for it no and and it's unknowable again because it's this idea of what are your kids planning? What's behind their bedroom doors? And especially the fact that it, again, is that it's, it's coming back to that, the innocence of what young women should be as they are coming into their teen years. You know, they were 12. So they were effectively still children. They weren't even teens yet. They were, it took two years for them to be uh, even charged. They were in facilities until then. And by that point, three two three years on they started to maybe look like adults but they were children when it happened so i think they've got that it is that unknowable so yet before you even get onto the layers of internet creepypasta monsters you go oh you don't know what's going on you don't know what your children what are your children watching <laughs> that's it it's that moral panic what what are they looking at through their screen what's getting into their brains and it's the moral panic that's happened books video games movies every form of new media has done it yeah. And it's every that. single time. Every like time. Clockwork. Like clockwork. Now it's TikTok. Yeah, and we we never learn. We don't look back and go, well, hang on, maybe this isn't the thing that we should be worrying about. <laughs> but never, it never happens. Everything's the big bad until it's not the big bad anymore and something new is. And as something that was born out of the internet and then very tragically bled into real life, how did the internet react to the to the actual case? You know, I, at the time, I feel like the original artist, he basically said how sorry he was for the situation because you could imagine the guilt that he would automatically feel someone sort of pointing a finger and saying, well, th you did this. But he didn't because the power of the, the however many thousand minds of the internet created this creature and created this monster. And I think the internet reacted in multiple ways. So obviously there was all the talk shows that had that, what are they watching? Oh, I spoke to my child and he said he'd never heard of it. Or then there was the, the sort of broadcaster saying, I spoke to my son and he knew all about it. That's terrible. My children knew all about the Slender Man. And they, they my children could be next. That's next. Yeah. Exactly. That's it. It's that they're going to be, it's that pitchfork mentality because mm -hmm. at its heart is just rooted in fear. It's just in fear and, and it doesn't, it's dangerous because it can't. No one's listening to this sort of the wise thing, which is you can't control this. We're going to need to talk about this. This is a new world. <laughs> Come on, let's mm -hmm. just settle down. That's not there. This is fear, and it's um, the different directions the internet took to between people saying, "Well, that's not anyone's fault. It's not Slenderman's fault. It's not that's fault. It's not the internet's fault." To people saying, you know, to to be on both sides of the argument. So it, it exploded in multiple multiple ways. And how did then kind of to weave in pop culture because it does on the surface um, seem rife for investigation. Yes, through the very medium that birthed the Slender Man, and especially with the with the rise in popularity of true crime series, documentaries, podcasts, fictional adaptation of true crime cases. Um, what happened 
in the culture? Like, how was this adapted in after the actual true true case into fiction? Well, we got Beware the Slender Man, which was the HBO documentary, um, which I haven't rewatched for this discussion. But when I did watch it, I did spend quite a lot of the time appalled because they did not talk about Morgan's mental illness until about an hour into the into the actual program itself, which you would think would be something that you would bring up quite quite mm-hmm. quickly. Um, and also, The Slender Man itself, 2018, a spectacularly ill-judged movie from Sony, just called Slender Man, mm-hmm. which was, I remember at the time, it was advertised with a forest and a teenage girl coming out of the forest drenched in blood. Do you remember this advert? I do. It's not even in the movie. It isn't. There's so many things that are in the trailer it's that not, are not in the movie. It, and it's um and it is not based in po- its potency. It's technically it's not based on the crime itself. It has no connection to the crime itself. It is just a adaptation of the monster, technically. But it is about four young women who have very close friendships and summon the slender man who then gradually picks them off mm-hmm. um the movie itself you know sony didn't want to show it in wisconsin quite understandably they didn't show it to critics it's disastrously reviewed because it's a genuinely terrible film it, it's i <laughs> let's start with the fictional one because it's just funnier to discuss a bad film yeah there is no saving grace to it genuinely no. uh, it's better to watch someone on youtube take it down than yeah. actually enduring the film yeah. itself so there's joey king who has since then um done some quite interesting stuff mm-hmm. um like um the the act she's in that playing another victim in a true crime case really wonderful performance there but this is just ill-judged and late to the game and you'd think that because this came out in 2018 that they would have had time to understand what makes the Slenderman powerful yep. as a pop culture figure mm-hmm. and how to deal sensitively around the actual real life ramifications of that going um, so viral. Yeah. But they didn't. No. They're trying to create a backstory for a thing that ha- is powerful because it has no backstory. And frankly, the imagery of the Slenderman is really pathetic it's in the dreadful. film. And, and, and it's inconsistent as well because he looks one way in the poster, then there's some imagery and powers in the trailer. The things that show up in the movie are completely different. He totally. just looks like a CGI mess. Yeah. And and there's terrible sort of found footage moments in it and everyone just explains the plot to one another. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's a shame because there are elements of the ideas behind it are there. They use... Uh, once one of them has gone missing, they find her laptop. And on her mm. laptop, she's been looking online because she's obviously under the sort of thrall of the Slender Man through a video, which is kind of like the ring that they watch. Um, and there's this idea of finding the answers in an online world. And they find sort of found footage videos of really terribly acted, terribly shot found footage of the Slender Man attacking people and this unnamed figure who's kind of talking to her in a chat room. These are sprinklings mm-hmm. of what is actually scary about these things. There's hints, but it certainly doesn't appear when the Slender Man is on screen and when any of the characters are talking. You know, and I think what you were saying earlier about things dealing with things sensitively. When I was on the way here, I thought I would listen. I haven't listened to any podcasts on this. I've done a lot of reading, mm-hmm. and it was I actually did a lot of research for a previous project um, that never came to fruition, but. It staggered me the comedy with which people discuss this case. 
mm-hmm. I listen to it. I try to listen to two different podcasts. I'm not going to name what they are, but they're both talking about the Slender Man case. Not even in an intelligent comedy crime way, just in a really salacious, let's just recount this story way. And I think that was why I thought when we sat down today that it's really important for us to be like we are addressing the importance and complexity and horrific nature of all of it because the internet's boogeyman is actually something that a lot of us should want to enjoy because we enjoy creepypasta we enjoy no sleep because because they're fake Mm -hmm. that's why we we feel safe because horror gives us the chance to experience fear in a safe capacity um and and this horrific crime as uninfluent as complex as it was has marred the slender man in for media in many many ways in a way that i don't think someone like sony can address basically no and also i going back to the documentary beware the slender man i rewatched it today for the purposes of this conversation because i haven't seen it since probably 2017 or something yeah. like that i think i watched it last year or something so and i was I was thinking as you were speaking about it, I was kind of surprised because it's become so common in now the wave. We're kind of in the downturn of the wave because I think that's we've oversaturated ourselves with true crime content. But it used so much of the actual recordings of the interrogations of the girls, mm-hmm. of Morgan. And you're right, the first half of the documentary is essentially spent like explaining memes, explaining internet culture, explaining where Slenderman originated from and then it does it paints us this picture of two girls influenced to kill it's a very expanded version of the headlines but what was interesting to me is just how it used and I'm not sure if it just did not have enough new material and it had to pad it out although the documentary is almost two hours long packed with drawings (laughs) it is packed with drawings (laughs) but it did sort of have a, a voyeuristic tone to me that sat badly yeah of this sort of look at this girl yeah there's darkness lurking behind this innocent face mm-hmm. i mean this is ripped straight from the tabloid so if you know you never imagine a teenage girl a, a young girl to be capable of violence to yeah. be capable of such influence and i thought it very because it was kind of presented without comment and kind of with a lot of sad narration by her parents who were very obviously distraught Absolutely. at the notion that they hadn't noticed. Of course. Um, which I imagine they must feel like a massive failing yeah. on their part, yeah. but one that is also completely understandable because how how do you yeah. pay attention to things that, like you mentioned, could just be teenage Teen quirks. stuff. Yeah, just teen, teen stuff. stuff. Girl stuff. Yeah, yeah. which in the majority of cases is teen girl stuff and that's what's so tragic because they won't not they, they won't stop blaming themselves for that no but there was this they didn't try to do the satanic panic angle to it but i did feel like it was just reveling a bit too much in the very simple contradiction of young girls committing violence yeah and that being kind of salacious in a very particular way. And then I feel like after that, it treated the father's schizophrenia almost like a twist reveal. Mm. And I don't think it meant it, but it certainly, when I watched it the first time, I genuinely thought, this is, oh, okay. And true crime, true crime documentaries love that. 
they love a cliffhanger to take you to mm-hmm. the next episode. They do love it. Um, and some of them do it well, and some of them do it tremendously badly. Like the, God, the one about the hotel, Cecil Hotel, the horrific one, which basically... Um, yes, I've seen it. I dedicated yeah. an entire episode to conspiracy theorists when actually mm-hmm. in the first episode they could have just told us the truth. And I felt like that happened a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Because actually that the story itself is interesting enough and human enough that you don't need to do all that silly as you say you don't need all that oh look at this and then they did this and here's the interrogation and here's us looking at uh, unwell girls so what do you think is actually the most interesting aspects of the story that haven't been explored in these you know in these visual or adaptations or in culture i do think it is that that I, th- I think it is a failing. I-, I think it's discussing the failing in the portrayal of, or the discussion of mental health. You know, it was only in the Kathleen Hale article that I realised why um, in Wisconsin it turns out that after the age of 10, you were tried as an adult. And that's because, well, that's because in the 1980s, there was a legislator who basically created this idea of gangs of kids, killer kids they called them super predators and they were coming for you these super predators that never existed and all of these states across the u.s went into overdrive and created laws in which children could be tried as adults was that based on anything was there a spike in in child criminals or something it was based on no fact that guy ended up working in the white house of but of course so but these laws had never been changed. Mm-hmm. So when those parents were talking, eventually talking to lawyers, once mm-hmm. they were actually allowed to talk to lawyers, they were like, well, you know, she can, that's her, for, she could be down for 65 years, life. Wow. And the parents are saying, what, sorry? How, if, if children over the age of 10 could be tried as adults, we'd know about this already. No, you don't. And actually what ended up happening in that case was um, with Morgan she ended up being put in various facilities and not treated for her schizophrenia for actually years. Years. She was an untreated schizophrenic in, in multiple situations where, and it was only once she started getting treatment, she actually remembered what happened. She started mm. talking about what happened because she could rationalise things. But this, only that story has ever told me the actual human side of two children being locked up in rooms alone with no windows and in being in a prison system. So what happened to the girls? Because that trial, the court case, once the hubbub around the actual yep. uh, crime subsides, there is years of treatment yep. and of a court case and eventually a sentencing. Yeah. How long did that last? So they were charged fully, I think it was 2016, by the time all that happened, which is years after the actual event mm-hmm. um, but they were both found not guilty for reasons of insanity they, and which, but that did mean one of them was charged with 25 years in a psychiatric facility and one was 40 years in a psychiatric facility I think it was Morgan that was 40 years mm-hmm. because she actually performed the attempted murder mm-hmm. um, but, and they are obviously in facilities and they can, you know the, the due sort of appeals process etc can now happen but there was very much a chance that both of them could have gone to adult facilities for the rest of their lives. 
and that would have been that would have been that would have been it. And there was actually a real fear that once I think um, uh, Anissa was sentenced first, and the insanity plea was processed correctly, you know, went through, but there was then a thought that that did not go down well. The comments underneath all the internet stories basically said, mm-hmm. "Oh, when your parents have money, it's insanity," because they would. It's almost like people would much rather people were just bad and you mm-hmm. could just lock them away and that would be fine. But that's not the case, and that wasn't the. And thankfully, that did not happen with Morgan either. She was finally, at long last, put into a psychiatric facility and then treated. Um, but yeah, they are in medical facilities now um anisa has been released as of 2021 now wow has been released but is um must live with her dad right um during her probation and also needs to you know be under medication and go to regular counseling so obviously lives under heavy heavy surveillance yeah but yeah i was reading that morgan is not she's been she's been refused what do you think is now, years after this, has been the cultural legacy of this? You know, it's funny. I think there are people who know all about it. We clearly do. We've watched the documentaries. We've watched the movies. We've seen everything happen and we're in that world. But then at the same time, I also do think there's now people that don't really know when they go, oh, was that that game? Or was that that creepy? But was that that thing? And it's almost like it has kind of fused into our design of our monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the crooked man from The Conjuring mm-hmm. Two is basically the Slender Man. Yeah. Um. So it's almost like there have been safe adaptations taken of it. You know, we'll redesign that monster slightly. We'll tweak that slightly. Well, the gentleman won't, won't make it that, but they'll wear a suit. And it's these things that are almost like the acceptable versions of the slender man but i certainly don't i mean i don't think we're ever going to see unless it's a documentary series telling an actual here's this thing that happened and here's the way the press reacted and here's all of these things and the things you got wrong that to me is now the only way that this can really be addressed because i i still don't i don't think i need a even if a movie did it right i don't know how i'd feel about it now do you think it's worth not forgetting, but do you think it's worth letting the the girls themselves rest? Yeah, and perhaps even letting Slenderman as a as a horror figure rest as well. Yeah, it could be a moment of our internet folklore, our internet builds as much as people don't. You know, it doesn't have the breadth of what our libraries hold of literature, but the internet has a specific language and if we could almost imagine the internet all the things that we recognize from the internet being in a giant library then we could put the slender man book on a shelf and be like this is internet folklore this is all of the things that encompass this case we could leave it on that shelf but i do think we always have to talk about it and i do think the idea of internet folklore is fascinating. It was just that the birth of this particular, the explosion of this particular internet meme onto the internet in unfortunate circumstances means mm-hmm. that the power of the internet, but also just the power of media figures in different ways, is key. 
And do you think do you think there is another Slender Man that will be birthed by the internet? Another figure of this sort? Yes. Absolutely. I mean when I was Has it already? But you know, there we've got loads of interesting creepy pastas. Mm-hmm. Like if you I mean I love a bit of creepy pasta. Mm-hmm. Like um I love um especially with video games because it works mm-hmm. so well with video games. There's the idea of Lavender Town. Do you know about Lavender Town? No, I don't. So Lavender Town let me get my urban legends right. Lavender Town uh, was a place that you visited in Pokemon Red and Blue. So way back when. And it is where... It's already a bit grim, but it's where the ghosts of Pokemon are. It's oh where, my like, God, it's the dead Pokemon, Pokemon. die? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like spirits and Pokemon and, and, and around that. And there's a really creepy theme song uh-huh. in the town. Now, the, the urban legend then said that children in Japan played this and then harmed themselves. And that became the myth of Lavender Town, that there was something in the soundtrack that was literally making people hurt themselves. And again, it's that here's this new media video game. It's going back to the satanic messages and heavy metal and that's Led it. Zeppelin re- records. Yep, that's it. So it's that exact thing. You know, you've and, and it works so well. It's just the same formula mm-hmm. over and over and over again. You know, it was that Momo thing. I ended up, do you remember that horrible mm-hmm. face? I ended up on the radio, the real radio, actual radio, talking about how this was and trying to tell people that this was nonsense and they were self-perpetuating this. And if someone had seen a video with it in it, it's because they'd seen the hype online and decided to get in on the thing, not because it was going to damage them. And yet, the press picked it up. There were school meetings about this horrible-faced figure that was apparently making people hurt themselves. And yet again, it did not come from truth. It came from whispers. And I heard this. And I heard this happen to my sisters. It's urban legend every time. And we don't see it. Every time. So Louise Blaine, is there anything about the Slenderman slappings or Slenderman as a horror figure that we haven't talked about that you wanted to mention you know I think we've kind of I think we've pretty much covered it but I do think mm-hmm. I do think uh, if you can fit that it's on Kindle folklore horror stories and the Slenderman it was it's basically very much like a university text but it's great little book mm-hmm. going through the Slenderman's origins and the different perspectives and all lots of things about horror it's a great read that everybody should read along with the Kathleen Hale one because I think you get a very different idea of the story. So rather than me talking, I just suggest further reading from more intelligent people than myself. (laughs) It's a lovely way to wrap up. Um, Thank you so much as always. Thank you for having me. It's also been a real pleasure just literally sitting on the floor and watching you speak for 45 minutes. (laughs) We got used to it. It was like in person, I'm talking to actual Anna. You're not through a screen. Receiving a lecture. Sorry, was I lecture? Oh no. No, I loved it. It was was lovely to be able to talk. So if people aren't following you already, where can they find more of your work online? You can find me on Twitter at shiny underscore demon. I'm the same on Instagram. And When's this going out? Next week, in the next couple of weeks. Okay, well, this is quite exciting. So I do mm-hmm. want to plug one thing. Obviously, I present at Radio 3 Sound of Gaming, which is fun and a journey through different video game soundtracks. But the BBC is having its proms right now. They are happening. The very first gaming prom is happening on the 1st of August in the Royal Albert Hall. And I am presenting it live on Radio 3. Amazing. And before that happens, I kind of need to learn how to present a prom. So if you do listen, this is that's my first prom. That's my first live on Radio 3 time. So please forgive any mistakes but yeah listen to some video game soundtracks and 
Do you know what a promo is? And now I'll have to find out. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Hannah. <laughs>